If you have your Bibles this morning, uh, would you turn with me to Revelation chapter 15. Revelation chapter 15. And uh, I'll be continuing on just in some ways from uh, last Sunday morning. Uh, Revelation chapter 15. And the title this morning is The Overcoming Remnant. You know, a remnant is a people that survived the crisis. But not only do they survive, but they overcome in the crisis. That's a remnant of God's people in these last days before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a people all across this world, from north, south, east and west, from every creed and every language that are washed in the blood, born of the Spirit, and they're looking for the second coming and waiting and longing for the second coming of the Lord. And they will stand in these days, I believe I'm looking at, the remnant this morning, and they will overcome, not in their own strength or their own ability, but they will overcome in the victory that there is in Jesus Christ, because he is victorious, and he's far above all things. And so, this morning, this is the overcoming remnant, and uh, I want to share some things that, some things were afresh to me, they may be something that you've heard before, but they were very much, uh, this came as a fresh revelation that the Lord had just brought to my heart. I believe there's some things that we need to share this morning that are crucial to the days in which we're living in. We see so much happening, it's very hard to sometimes grasp the the magnitude and how quickly things are changing, but we need to be aware of that, and then we need to know how to stand in the midst of that as overcomers. The Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We're more than conquerors through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a physical battle. Um, we're not interested in going out and harming people physically. That may happen towards us. as You may have seen that elder gentleman on the streets of England yesterday being trailed off steps for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Could you ever imagine a day that in England, England of all countries in the world, that was the birthplace of many a revival and also the sending platform of many a missionary across the world to preach the gospel, that an elder gentleman would be standing preaching the gospel, he'd be trailed off those steps and arrested and sent to prison. Thank God he was released very quickly from prison, but it shows you where we are. It shows you where we are, and we need to, it's been said often, we need to wake up. We need to wake up. We need to know the days that we're in. If you're in Revelation chapter 15, I could ask you, if you can, please stand for the reading of God's word. I believe it's important to honor his word, honor the reading of God's word just for these few moments. And we'll all read together Revelation 15 verses 1 through the verse 4. Let us all audibly read it together. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast, and over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thy king of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. 
So, Father, this morning we pray, Lord, that you would give us sight, give us ears to hear. Lord, you would help us. Lord, every preacher that would stand behind a pulpit this morning, we're asking, Lord, for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost to anoint your servants and to anoint your word. Lord, that your word would go forth in power and demonstration. Lord, that signs and wonders truly will follow the preaching of your word. Lord, we pray that you would anoint every preacher, Lord, that would go to streets, stand in pulpits, stand in street corners, wherever it may be, up and down the breadth of this island. Lord, we're praying for a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Lord, help us because we need you, Lord. Lord, we cannot do it in our religious effort. We cannot do it in the name of our denominations or church names. We need the power of the Spirit of the living God. So, Lord, would you speak to us and open our hearts and open our eyes and awaken us, O God, and your name will be glorified in the nation. Your name would be lifted up, Lord. That's our only desire. That's the purpose of our lives, that Jesus would be glorified. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our seats together this morning. And I saw another sign in heaven. Great and marvelous seven angels having the seven last plagues. For in them, these seven last plagues, is filled up with the wrath of God. What follows in the chapter 16 are seven definite outpourings of God's judgment upon the face of the earth in the last days. What is often said to me is, but brother, God has not appointed us to wrath. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 9 but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Or some would say, when we look at the wrath of God, some would also say, John 3.36, He that believeth in the Son has everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. The word wrath. It's one English word. But a very simple study doesn't take a lot, but a very simple study. You will find that there are two Greek words for the same English word. There are two Greek words for the same English word. God has not appointed us to wrath. It's speaking, of course, of the final judgment, the wrath of the Lamb. There's a judgment day. It is appointed on the man once to die. And after this, the Bible says there is the judgment. There is a judgment day coming. This world don't want to hear that. They don't believe that. But there is a judgment day coming. There is a day of reckoning coming. There is a day of judgment where God will pour out His wrath upon the nations and those that have rejected Him, those who are not believers. Revelation chapter 15 and 16, when we begin to look at these seven outpourings of the wrath of God, there are seven bowls, if you like, of the wrath of God. The Greek word is a different Greek word from that which is found in 1 Thessalonians, that wrath, that last and final wrath. The word is, the Greek word is thumos, which simply means the passion 
of God, it's, it would be best described as a kettle being boiled, coming up to the boil and then going off the boil again. So you see these manifestations of the judgments of God as these bowls are emptied out by these angels upon the earth. God begins to judge the nations of the earth. And Revelation 15 and 7 says there and one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God who liveth forever. When you move into Revelation chapter 16 and verse 1, it says that I heard a great voice come out of the temple of the Lord saying to the seven angels, go your ways and pour out the bowls or the vials of wrath upon the earth. Here is an outpouring of God's judgment or God's thumos upon the earth. When you just move up through the outpourings of the wrath, the bowls, and we'll uh, not go into a lot of detail just for time's sake this morning, but as you move through the different outpourings of God's judgment, when you come, if you look to Revelation 16 and verse 17, you see that there's a seventh angel. And the seventh angel pours out his bowl into the earth, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, Here is the final judgment. It is done. There's a voice that says it is done. That's the completion. That is it over. And verse 18 says, And there were voices, thunderings, lightnings, and there was a great earthquake such as was not since men were upon the face of the earth. So mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts. The cities of the nations fell and great Babylon came and remembers before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Now, once we get to this, the Greek word is a different word for the word wrath. Verse 6 or thumos, then this final one is the Greek word orge. And this is the final wrath that we, praise the Lord, who are saved, we are not appointed to wrath. That's the final judgment of God. Does that excite you this morning? It should if you're saved. It's good to be saved that you're not appointed to the wrath of God. And so this orgy, this final vengeance of God upon the face of the earth, it is the revelation, those six seals that come. It's the same in, sorry, the six seals in Revelation chapter 6 where you have the well-known, the four horsemen of the apocalypse and the outpouring of the judgments of God. And then when you move to the final in Revelation 6.16, what you find there is that the They say to the mountains and the rocks in this great earthquake, fall on us, hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, the final outpouring of the judgment of God upon the face of the earth. For the great day of his wrath is come and who shall be able to stand in that final outpouring of the wrath of God? The great judgment day of God. There's a judgment day. And these judgments of God begin as they are emptied out, as it were, out of bowls upon the face of the earth are very significant because what they begin to indicate to us is the judgments of God are evident upon the face of the earth. They indicate to us that we are living in the last days. We're living in the final moments of time as we see the judgments of God upon the nation. And before the great day of the Lord, the great day of his wrath, preceding that, we will see God, according to the book of Revelation, we will see that God will begin to shake and judge the nations for the sins of the nations. And a careful look is important to see in in God how 
in principle how God deals with judging the nations because we have a Bible and the Bible reveals to us in the old and in the new how God judges the nations of the earth, how there's consequences for a nation's sin, how there's consequences when governments change the law, when they make laws that are contrary to God's word, then there are consequences to that nation. Does anyone know that? That when men and all their intelligence and all their arrogance, if you like, and all their pride believe that they can change, change laws that are contrary to God's law and feel that that in some way boots them on the right side of history. You may have heard that term, that they're on now on the right side of history by changing the laws that are contrary to God's law. What the consequences of that is, that God's judgment, the bowls, if you like, are beginning to be poured out upon the nation. When society rejects God in government, and as it filters through every aspect of society, into our education system, into our social systems, into our health system, right across the board, when society begins to reject God, that's what's happening in our generation. We are rejecting God as a nation. We're rejecting God in every, every fabric of our nation. We're beginning to reject God and His way. But we must know as the people of God, as that rejection comes, there's a consequence on that nation. We have lived in the good of a nation that's honored God. We have lived in the good of a nation that's upheld God's word and God's way. We have lived in the good of that. We have been living in the blessing of that for a few, quite a number of generations. But now the tide is turning. That's what's happening. There's a tide being turned. And so the judgments of God begin to be poured out upon the nation. Now, when you look at the principle of this in Scripture, how God deals with his people, how he deals and he dealt with Israel in the Old Testament, you will see particular sins, particular sins that grieve God and provoke God to act. God is a God that responds. So when there's, when there's sins that begin to be manifested in a broader scale in society, that is provoking God to act because he's a righteous God. He's a just God. He's a holy God. When you go back into Isaiah and the fifth chapter, those first few chapters in particular, before you get to the very well-known chapter, Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah has that encounter, that revelation of the Lord upon the throne. But the preceding chapters deal with, with the nation's sin with the heart of God that was grieved because his people had turned from him. When you get to Isaiah chapter 5, and again, just for time's sake, I'm mindful of time I'm moving forward, but I, I just want, if you can listen, what you see in Isaiah chapter 5, if you read the entire chapter, you'll be able to pick out the woes of God, if you like, things that God was grieved about. Things that provoked God because they had turned from him. So in verses 8 to 10, you see there that there is a greed. There's a greed amongst the people. It's always this desire to want and to have and to move forward. There's a lust. There's a covetousness. In 11 to 17, you see a people of drunkenness. And, and then you move into 18 to 19. And you might be familiar with some of this. Then you'd hear this. They, they mock God's power. They're, they begin to mock God. 
They begin to say, well, bring it on, God. You know what? We have heard this in the streets and witnessing. Well, whenever, let God have, I don't care. I'll go to hell with my friends. Who cares that there's a God? They begin to mock the power of God and God's ability to judge sin. We're not interested in your God. We can live any way we want. We don't care about your God. Where is God? That's what they say. And it's not in a sense of searching for him, but it's in an arrogance and it's a pride. We're not interested in your God. We're not interested in the gospel. We're not interested in all that old stuff anymore. We'll do it our way, right? And these, these voices that are rising rapidly across our society and our nation are, provo- are filling up the cups of you like of judgment. When men, verse 20 speaks of men changing God's moral standards to accommodate their sin. When, when that which is good is made evil and that which is evil is made good. We know that that is what's happening. That's the agenda. There's an agenda. And when that agenda is very evident and when it's so important that we, we understand what's happening because when, when our legislators begin to change the law, when they begin to bring in legislation to change the law that's contrary to the word of God, Friends, what that does is that fills up that bowl of judgment that comes upon the nation. So when they make these laws, it's so important to pray for our leaders, to pray for those that are saved, to pray for those that are in government, that they'll make a righteous stand, not because of their party, but because of their conviction. It's past party politics. It's past the... The color, the green, white, and gold, and the red, white, and blue. It's men and women that love Jesus, that stand up for truth. And so when they begin to change the laws of God, the laws of the land that are contrary to the word of the Lord, when they make legislation and they vote upon that, this is so important. When they then vote and put that into our parliament, in, in local or in national and they vote and they, they bring into practice this law, these laws. What they are doing is they are calling that which is good evil and that which is evil good. And what they do in that is we'll pass laws that accommodate us to live in sin, right? What that means is that that no longer is wrong in their eyes. What happens is the tables turn. So those that live by God's word, then they become the unlawful ones. You're the one that's now breaking the law. And God sees that it's not just that that accommodates them how they live, but actually then you're the lawbreaker. If you're a born again Christian, you believe the Bible. So now you're the one in the eyes of society that is a lawbreaker, but in the eyes of God, you're his child. And when they begin to distort the way of the Lord, that then brings a judgment upon the nation. The nation begins to experience the pouring out of God's judgment. In verse 21 of Isaiah 5, you see there that there's the pride and the arrogant. In other words, we really don't care. We'll do what we want. I listened to some of the debate uh, this week on the legislation that they're proposing about the conversion therapy. Could, could I say, first of all, there isn't a believer on this planet that would endorse or be behind or in any way 
the, manipu- the, the, the mutilation or the physical uh, damage or drugs or whatever, whatever form or therapy that there is there, we know that it is the power of a living Christ that changes a life. We're not for that. But you see, the subtlety of the devil and the Antichrist is we will put all of us in with them. And so it's all religious activity that in any way, that in any way would suggest that a man or a woman can be changed from being a homosexual. They've got a big problem. There's been literally thousands changed by the power of the gospel. And so the proud and the arrogant will rise up. And as you listen to the voices that come forth in our local parliament, and you listen to the men and the women that stood up, and they begin to drive an agenda and speak so arrogantly against God and God's people with such pride. Friends, what is happening in our parliament that's not just the folks on the hill, <clears throat> and all the jokes that go with that, but actually, as a nation, what actually takes place is that we are opening, as it were, the window of heaven, and we are before a holy God, and God then will begin to judge the nation. For the legislators have made laws that are contrary to his word, and in their arrogance they're saying, we can do this. I listen to one particular MLA, Doug Beatty. Don't mind mentioning them because they're public figures. And I want to tell you, friends, it would absolutely grieve your heart with the language that is used. We need to get on the right side of history. We need to get on our knees and repent. And in all the judgments, verse 22 to 23 and verse chapter 5, Then there's the perversion of justice. There's a perversion of justice. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, this morning, that there's a man that I know, and there's not a bigoted bone. There's not one ounce of racism. There is not one sense of hatred in him. His name's Jesus. And he died for all men. Whether you're white or whether you're black, whether you're Protestant or whether you're Catholic, whether you're Hindu or whether you're Muslim, whether you're a homosexual or whether you're straight, he died for all men. And there's a perversion of justice. There's no question about this in our nation. There's a perversion of justice. Let me tell you one of the most pervert things about justice. Now, this is extortion. There's a parliament that sat for three years that never worked and got full pay. That's a perversion. But these are the same people that stand and they are the ones that are going to drive through their laws and railroad over the church of Jesus Christ, they think. And in the midst of all the judgments of God and the outpouring of these seven, these six particular bowls, You'll find always in God's judgment of a nation, you'll always find there's a cry from the depths of his heart. There's always a plea. There's always the manifestation of his love for his creation. 
There's always a plea. He always, when he sent the prophets with doom and gloom and I suppose a message of thunder and fire, but you know what you'd always find? There was a cry that he put within their hearts. Would you come back to me and I'll be merciful to you? It's the famous verses of Isaiah 1 and 18. In the midst of the judgments, we find that the prophet cries out, Come now, the word of the Lord. Let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, though they, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. I'll give you the victory and the provision and the peace and the joy. I'll give you the life if you come and repent. And if you're willing, I'll give you everything. I'll bless you. But if you refuse, you see, there's a choice. If you refuse, if you rebel, if you turn your heart against me, if you continue to rebel against my word and my way, you shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And it tells us of the blessings that there are. It's a wonderful prophecy in Isaiah chapter 4. As much as it's historical, it's also prophetic. In verse 2 it says, In that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious. It's speaking of Jesus. There's a place of blessing. There's a place of provision. There's a place of covering. There's a place where you can know God's peace and all the turmoil and all the storms of life. There's a place you can find it, and it's in Jesus Christ. The fruit of the earth shall be excellent and comely for them that are escaped of Israel. It shall come to pass that, that he that is left in Zion, that's the remnant, and he that remaineth in Jerusalem shall be called holy, and everyone that is written among the living in Jerusalem. And in our reading this morning, Revelation chapter 15, I just ask you to, to stay with me this morning. It's important. I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the last seven plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. And I seen also the sea of glass mingled with fire, and there's them in the midst of the fire. You know, Isaiah speaks of the spirit of judgment, says Isaiah 4 and 4. The spirit of judgment and the spirit of burning. The spirit of judgment and the spirit of burning. And what you see here is a vision of a people that have gotten the victory, but they're on a fire. They're on a sea mingled with fires. The spirit of judgment is poured upon the earth. It's like fire, the spirit of burning. But here the Bible tells us that these people, praise God, these are a people that have gotten the victory over the beast, got the victory over the image. Got the victory. I may not know exactly how all that's going to unfold, the image and the mark. I believe it's very, very, very much upon us. But let me tell you something. I don't fear it because thanks be to God, He's given us the victory. That's what the Bible says. The remnant have the victory. We have the victory over the beast. Whenever you believe the beast is, I know who I believe it is, but you have the victory over the beast. You have the victory over the old dragon. Who's the dragon? That's the devil. Thank God we have the victory over the devil. And over his name, we stand on a sea of glass and we have a song that we can sing. 
as the song of Moses. These bowls begin to be poured out, the judgments of God. I want you to, if you have time to read them, they are symbolic. So when you read it, you might say, what does that mean? It's like, but take the time to look at it. But we see the sores that fall upon the human race. We see the sea is like blood. We see rivers and fountains turn to blood. We see in verse 4, men are scorched with great heat. The planet begins to warm up. wonder what that is. Can you imagine how, how, how so insignificant man and all his intellect and his ideas and all that they're doing today? Oh, friends, I want to tell you, we're going to be back on horses very soon. No petrol cars, no links, nothing. We're just going to trail it all back as the earth begins to warm up. Friends, it's the judgment of God. They're going to tax you through the roof. No, listen, the name of save the planet. Men are scorched with a great heat. You know what it says? But they refuse to repent. Such a deep rebellion in mankind. It's, it's deepening. We will not repent. We see an outpouring of darkness at the seat of the beast. You know what it says after that? And they still won't repent. The absolute refusal to bow the knee to Jesus. The spirit of rebellion. I want you to listen carefully this morning. If you can give me your attention. If you listen to nothing else, if you can give me your attention for a few moments. The Bible speaks of a final battle that takes place on this earth. Revelation 16 verse 12 it talks here of a sixth angel. I want you this morning, if you can, maybe you've heard this before, but I want you, if you possibly can, just come to it as like you've never heard it or it's the first time that you've ever heard or read this scripture. There's a sixth angel, and out of his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, out of the mouth of the false prophet. We see a manifestation, an outpouring here from the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. We see an outpouring of demonic spirits. For they are the spirits of the devil, the Bible says. I want you to listen very carefully. You might think that this has nothing to do with you. It's everything to do with every person in this room. Every single person in this room. I want to say something. I'm not in any way trying to pick on you. <clears throat> I want to speak to, in particular, those that are the generation just behind us. In other words, I'm 47. You just work out what generation you're in. I want you to listen very carefully. Young people, I want you to listen. There's an outpouring of unclean spirits 
come out of the mouth of the dragon. The dragon we know is, is the devil. They come out like frogs. The Bible says they're spirits of devils. They work miracles. They have a supernatural ability. Listen very carefully. There's a supernatural ability of these devils, these spirits. And they go forth to the kings of the earth. And listen very carefully. Not just the kings of the earth. They go forth to the whole world. Not just in locality. Over in Israel. It will manifest itself ultimately in that place. But actually what the Bible says. I've never personally just seen it this way. But I'm sure many people have. But I've just seen it afresh. The actual outpouring of these spirits of devils is worldwide. It's worldwide. Listen carefully. It's worldwide. They're the spirits of devils. They work miracles. They go forth onto the kings of the earth. They will inspire. They will manipulate and they will inspire the governments of the world in the last days. And ultimately, there'll be a physical manifestation of that um, in the hill of Megiddo or Armageddon is what is known as. But before we get there, I want you to listen carefully. Just don't switch off. The whole world will be affected by the outpouring of these spirit of devils. The whole world, doesn't just say the kings of the world, the whole world will be affected or influenced by the spirit of devils. And then it says that the Lord will gather them together to the battle of the great day of Lord God Almighty. What a battle this is going to be. And then if you've a good Bible, sorry if you're offended by that, but if you have a good Bible, the words are in red, because these are the words of Jesus. Verse 15. Behold, he says, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that's watching. Blessed is he that is alive, is awakened. Blessed is he that is not slumbering or sleeping. Blessed is he that is alive and awake. His eyes are open and his ears are unstopped. Blessed is he that keeps his garments. What garments are we talking about? We're talking about our shirt and tie. We're talking about our our fancy shirts or treasures. No, we're not talking about those old garments. We're talking about the garment of righteousness that Jesus gives us. And we've kept the garment that he gives us. They've kept the watch. They've kept the garment. Lest he walk naked. These are the words of Jesus. And they see his shame. These are a people that endure to the end. That are saved. That keep the watch. That keep the garments. That keep the faith. Then it says. And he gathered them together. Into a place called. In the Hebrew tongue. Armageddon. Hollywood have made their movies about Armageddon. But friends, don't waste your time watching it. All what they have, they could never display to us what it's going to be like. Now why do we wait on the physical culmination of this battle that will be, the word simply means the hill of Megiddo, I fear that the church has missed something. 
while our fixation often, and it is a fixation sometimes, is because back in 2000, if you remember, I don't know where, if you were born then or you were old enough to remember it then, maybe some of you weren't. But there was a fixation that we should all fly over to the hills of Megiddo. And actually some people did. They were largely American. That's not just to try and have a go at the Americans, but they were. And they armed themselves for the battle of Megiddo. We have missed something. We have desperately missed something, friends. There's something crucial about this battle. I want you to listen carefully. This battle has been unleashed. And many haven't even realized it. The culmination is physical according to Joel 3, Zechariah, Zephaniah 3, Zechariah 14, when the gathering of the nations for the final wrath and the final battle in the day of the Lord. That's for sure. But prior to that, prior to that, there is an outpouring of demonic spirits, unclean spirits, with supernatural power upon the entire earth. Know what it said? Unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, the beast, the false prophet, the spirit of devils, the supernatural powers and abilities that will inspire the kings of the earth and the entire world. The entire world. Did you hear that? The entire world. Jesus says, I'm coming like a thief. Blessed is he that watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked. The day of the Lord shall come like a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also with the works thereof shall be burned up. Christ is coming. The culmination is the coming of the Lord. But prior to that, there's an outpouring of spiritual wickedness that this world has never seen. Spirits, devils with supernatural power. Armageddon is on your front door. Armageddon is Main Street bound the hinge. Armageddon is Belfast. Armageddon's in Kilkeel and on along. The outpouring of spiritual wickedness. There's already a battle and we're asleep. We think that it's all over there, but friends, it's right on your door. Actually, it might even be in your home. A demonic flood. I want to tell you something that this demonic outpouring has already begun. Listen, church, it's already begun. Armageddon is already here. Armageddon is on the streets of this town and on the streets of the nations. They're on the streets of London and Edinburgh and New York and over in California and across the world. There's an outpouring of spiritual wickedness. Oh, I'm not too sure, brother. You're asleep. I want to tell you something, friends. I have been so disturbed this week. 
I've been so moved. And in particular, for the generation that's coming behind me. Just the one behind us. Not two or three away, just this one right behind us. Can I tell you, young person, that's anyone under 47. Let's put it there. That means I'm not in that bracket, but anyone under 47, I want you to listen. You've been brought up in a world that's changed dramatically and is changing dramatically. It's very hard sometimes to get your compass with what's happening because one of the greatest dangers that can happen is you begin to believe it's normal because that's the way it is. You haven't seen anything different, so it's normal. That's a lot of the things that young people are saying. It's the way it is. They've been rocked to sleep. They've been inspired by unclean devils. I believe the greatest influence in that has been the internet by far. Tim, are you going to go on about I'm not going to go on about anything. I want to tell you something. The internet, can you use it for good? I'll do all the things to keep everything right. Yes, of course you can. Do we all use it? Yes, we do. I want to tell you something. By far, the influence of the internet has been the source which the unclean devils have used to pollute the minds, not only of young people, but of the entire world. Can we put it all back into a tin and put it away? Probably not. It's here. Young people, you are the primary target of the final outpouring of wickedness on the earth. A vast majority, I mean vast majority, when I say that I mean up into the 90%, the vast majority have been completely overtaken by the spirit, the wickedness, spirit of Antichrist, in thought and in lifestyle. In thought and in lifestyle. Please, I'm not trying to be a fuddy-duddy or... I want to tell you, I really am concerned... I watched a, a young guy interview, do some interviews on a university campus over in the United States. I believe he's a Christian lad. He, he's a young guy, maybe in his mid-30s. He goes on the campuses and he would just ask just questions, just ask. So these young people, you know, 20, 21, he'd just go up and ask them, hey, can I ask you a few questions? He gets it on camera. And they said, yes, yeah, sure. No problem. Extraordinary kids. So, so can you tell me, is there, is there any distinguishing difference between a man and a woman? Every single one of them know there's no difference between a man or a woman. Does it matter? Uh, no, it doesn't matter at all. Every single one of these young kids, every single one of them. 
well, what would I, what would you do if I told you that I'm actually, this was a five foot nine white guy, just ordinary guy, shirt, pair of jeans. What, what would, what would you say if I told you then that I'm not a man, I'm actually a woman? Hey, that's absolutely fine. Each one of them, that's no problem at all. So I was captivated by the interview for a few moments. In some ways, it nearly borderlined on the ridiculous. And and one time then he says, "Look, well, I'm five foot nine, but I want to tell you, I, I'm actually, I'm actually not five foot nine. I'm six foot five. What would you say to that? If you want to be six foot five, then you'd be six foot five. Martin Luther said, I am much afraid that universities will prove to be the great gates of hell. Unless they diligently labor in explaining the holy scriptures and engraving them in the hearts of the young. What about the 50-year-old man that appears in TV dressed as a six-year-old girl and says, I no longer identify as a 50-year-old white male. I now identify as a six-year-old girl. He's dressed in a pink dress with pigtails. Initially, I'm going to be honest, I let out a bit of a laugh and then suddenly I was completely convicted by the Holy Ghost. In the 80s, we laughed. Our entertainment, our comedy shows were men dressed as women. This is no joke. What I mean by that, each and every one of those young people would say that's absolutely no problem. But what happens when you're bringing your six-year-old girl to the Lisbon Swimmers and a man walks in dressed as a six-year-old kid and wants to change in front of you. And the law says, that's fine. For you to object, that's unlawful. We are being told that this is a socially progressive society. I was talking to Nikki about it and she says, progressive? Where does it stop? Or what about the, it's called the gay thruple. The three men who live together as homosexual men with egg donations and a surrogate have two kids. Society has been overtaken this is Armageddon. Or what about the white guy? White guy. He is a white guy. The only difference between him and me, he is long pink hair.
who is on television saying that I now identify as a Filipino woman. And the interviewer says, could I ask you a question? What's your mum think? Who cares? Our young generation are facing, listen, are facing an outpouring, the spirit of devils. Like, listen to me, friend, like we have never seen before. Some people say, oh, I'm telling you, friend, it has never been seen before. The increasing spirit of lawlessness that is justified in the eyes of many by different groups, different rights groups, rights, 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 rights. We have our rights. Young people naturally, I know this because I used to be young, young people naturally have a raw passion, don't they? It, it sort of veers off a wee bit as you get older, but you seem to want to get challenged into something and get your get your arms around it and get going for it. I was, I was like that. I was. I just be honest with you. I was one of those kids that you see on the streets two weeks ago. I was one of those kids. I had a passion for. I need to make a stand for our country, and and I went out, and and that was the life. But there was a raw passion, and the devil is going to get that passion or God's going to get that passion. But one of the two. And when that passion's given into so many other things that may not be like what I was, you may say, well, I would never go in the streets and do what you did. That's, that's great. But your passion will go somewhere. Your passion will go somewhere. There's no better place to have your life and your heart and your passion in the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, can I tell you something? The spirit of lawlessness that is sweeping the nations. The Bible says nation will rise against nation. That is not just countries, that's people groups. When you see America imploding, America is imploding by the spirit of lawlessness and everybody has rights. The crowd that stormed the Capitol is no different to the kids that were running about Belfast burning buses. And bins last week. The crowd is destroying Minneapolis is the same spirit. But believers get engaged in this, friends. That is not our battle. That is the spirit of lawlessness. This is a manifestation of an outpouring of demonic spirits that will inspire and have an effect on the entire world. The spirit of lawlessness, wickedness, is demonic. It is the judgments of God upon the planet. And is the give-ups of God also where he will give people up to their own desires. There is no actual end until Christ comes. It will plunge deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into wickedness. They will create ways, think of ways, imagine ways of wickedness and their main target Their main target are the young. 
Their main focus is young people. Because young people, listen, who was it last night? Luke mocked me because I'm sitting, trying to send a text. He says, are you still doing one finger, Dad? Tongue out everything. And then, Nicky, when I do a thumbs up, I do a thumbs up, first of all. It's just slow. And that's just the way it is. But let me tell you something, friends. Young people are so caught up in the technology, it has become the normal. It is, I'm not against technology. What I'm saying is that the vehicle and the tool of technology is the means by which the spirit of devils that are absolutely affecting the entire world and it will pollute your mind, it will absolutely soil your soul, it will destroy your, your moral compass. What you begin to think is that this is normal. Three gay men with two babies is not normal. Oh, Tim, you might get in trouble. Friends, I don't care if I get in trouble. I'm not against people. I am not promoting anything of rising up and going out and doing this and doing that. I am for a God and I'm for a people that know what it is to get on their knees and engage in spiritual warfare. And yet there's a church that's asleep. We drag ourselves. Rather than seeing the hour in which we've come to and a generation that's been influenced and overcome by the powers of hell. And the church is bickering over what? Bickering over what you were? Bickering over what you look like? If you wear a shirt and tie, you're a legalist. If you don't, you're in grace. Rubbish! I have heard it enough, friends. It's nothing to do with your outward appearance. It's a walk with God. That somehow makes you more gracious or more of a revelation of God. I've never heard more nonsense in my life. And while the church bickers over this, there's a generation going to hell. The spirit and the demonic outpouring. Oh, friends, I need you to listen. Young people, I can only plead not... I don't want you to respond to the emotion of a meeting or the emotion of a preacher. I want you to respond to this Christ. I want you to respond to this Christ. Our schools, our universities have been largely overtaken by the spirit of devils and inspired. I believe that. I just believe that, friends. It is in every aspect, in every fabric of our society. And now very soon, preachers will go to prison for what they believe. You know, I met a guy once. I said, oh, what about you? What about you, big lad? How's it going? Da-da-da-da. Here you're a pastor now. That's, I says, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking of giving it a go myself. I want to tell you, God's called you to preach. You make sure, you make sure you know the cost. 
in the days in which we were living in, as preachers are going to go to prison. Don't give anything a whirl. Just keep doing what you're doing, but if God calls you, make sure you know the cost. And so they'll bring in their ban. Subtly to include the churches of conversion therapy. Could I, I tell you something, friends? I want, I want to read the Bible to you. And I'm reading from the New King James Version just so the language can be understood in everyday language. I'm a King James person, but I'll read the New King, New King James. Do you not know? Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Did you not know that? Where does that fit into a tolerant, progressive society? It doesn't. But it's the Bible. Then it says in verse 11, and such were some of you. And such were some of you. Such were some, but you're washed. You're sanctified. You're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. You see, that's what I once was. I want to tell you something. No matter what we look like, I want to tell you something, friend. I was once that. Listen to me this morning. That's what I once was. I want to be honest with you. I was once that. That's the life that I lived. That's the sin that I was in. I was a drunkard and a thief, an adulterer and a fornicator, but I'm washed in the blood of Jesus. My God, this morning, there's an answer for the homosexual. There's an answer for, for the transgender, transsexual. There's an answer for young people that are confused and not know where to turn. It's an encounter with Jesus Christ. That's what I was. Listen to me, that's what I was. I was a man that was filled with hatred and bigotry. I was filled with it. Listen to me this morning, there was two groups of people. I just want to be honest. There was two groups of people that I hated. And it was not because I was taught that, it was because of the environment that I was led astray into by my own sin. But I hated Roman Catholics and I hated black people. There you go. But I met Jesus. You may not think that, but that's what I was. I planned in my head how I could get rid of my boss who was a Roman Catholic. Me and him, fell. I worked with, he was six foot five. We were in Morocco together. I hated him. The first person I witnessed to was a man called Michael McGuigan, my boss. That's the first, because Christ puts a love in a man's heart. The place that I was saved was a Jamaican Pentecostal church. I was the only white man and God put a love in my heart for people. You see, it's not in the movements. It's not in the rights. It's not in the protests. I've done all that. I've laid on roads. I've laid on pallets. I've protected bonfires. Friends, I've fought night and day to 
this rubbish, but I'll live and die for Jesus any day. That's what you were. Listen, that's what you were. That's what we were. If you're looking at all this this morning saying, what are these people? I tell you, that's what I was. I was a drunkard. I was a hater of men. I was a bigot. I was out ratting. I was out fighting. That's what I was. I was a drunkard. But I met Jesus. He changes the life. Oh, that you'd have an encounter with Jesus. What will they do next? Ban the Bible? What will they do next? Ban the Bible? Friends, Armageddon. I want you to hear me. I believe the culmination of it is certainly over in the hill of Megiddo. But I want to tell you something. Armageddon's right here. It's on your doorstep and mine. We wrestle not against the flesh and the blood, but we are wrestling against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. My God, church, waking up. Waking up. Young people, waking up. Stop playing around and going along with the lies of the wicked one. Stop living a life just doing your thing. Give your life and your passion and your soul and your heart and give your all to Jesus Christ. Let Him get a hold of you. He'll give you a purpose to live this life. He'll give you a plan that no man can give you, friends. He'll give you a plan for your life that nothing in this world would ever satisfy. Or the consequences of this, I want you to hear me now. That you'll be overcome with the spirit of this age. Now you will. There's a sea of glass mingled with fire. And there's a people that stand on it. And I pray you'll be standing on it. And there are people that have got the victory. There are people with a soul. Father, I pray this morning for every person in this room, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, arrest us. Lord, arrest us. Oh, God, forgive us, Lord, for Lord, having so much, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, for every young man and every young woman in this House this morning, Lord, we love them dearly. Lord, how much more do you love them? And you died for them, oh God. Oh God, our hearts are burdened for them, Lord. In a world, Lord, in a world, oh God, that's turned its back on you, Lord. In a world that's being overcome by the spirit of this age. No wickedness, oh God. 
Oh, Father, we pray, Lord, I ask, Lord, that you would get a hold of every heart in this room by the power of your Spirit. Lord, I pray, Lord, that Lord, they'd stand up, Lord, they'd not be influenced by the people they sit with, Lord. They'd not be influenced by their classmates, Lord, by <clears throat> Lord, by the lukewarmness of the church, O oh God. But Lord, they would stand up and say, Oh, I'm going to serve Jesus. Oh God, I pray you'd have mercy. Oh, have mercy, Lord. Have mercy, have mercy, have mercy, Lord. Oh God, have mercy. Lord, forgive us for playing games with you, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for playing Sundays with you, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for, Lord, saying words, O oh God, but our hearts are far from you, Lord. Oh God, we pray, Lord. Lord, would you arrest men and women in this house, O oh God? Lord, would we wake up, Lord? Lord, we get our eyes of ourselves and get our eyes on Jesus, Lord. Lord, we stop murmuring and complaining, Lord. Oh, God, we pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord. Awaken your church, Lord. Awaken us out of slumber, oh, God. Lord, we pray for a harvest of precious souls, Lord. Lord, we thank you that the victory is in Jesus. Lord, we might stand, Lord, in a day of great trial and great fire, oh, God, but I thank you, Lord. It's not by our power. Lord, it's by your power. And Lord, as Isaiah said, in that revelation of Christ, Lord, we dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Oh God, our hearts and our lips need touched by the living coal of the altar and the revelation of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us this morning. Oh, to keep our eyes on Jesus. Oh God, I know you burdened me, Lord, for our young. Lord, I pray, Lord, for every young person in this room. Oh, God, give them the courage, Lord. Give them the courage, Lord, to make a stand for Jesus, Lord. Lord, they're not responding to me. They're not responding to this church, Lord. I just pray that by the power of your Spirit, they would respond to Jesus. They'd not respond to the emotion. But, Lord, in the depths of their heart, oh, God, by the power of your Spirit, they would respond. Lord, there'd be a true repentance, Lord, but there'd be a, a sweet surrender. Yeah. Lord, you would take a hold of them, Lord, and all their passions and all their youth. We thank you for it, Lord, and all their zeal that you've given them, Lord. But Lord, it would be sanctified and used, Lord, for the furtherance of the gospel, O oh God. Lord, have mercy on your church. Oh, God, have mercy on us, Lord. Have mercy, Lord. 
Lord, have mercy on us. Oh, my God, have mercy, Lord. Blessed is he that watch has kept his garments. Lord, may we be a people that watch. May we keep our garments, Lord.